recording. Uh, if you would join me in your Bible to, to uh, Genesis in chapter 37 this morning. Genesis in chapter 37. Hope you've enjoyed your week. Uh, it's been a great week. Lord didn't give me any deer this year, but you know, it's been a great week and a uh, uh, great year. Um, I thank God for uh, the, the gifts that we enjoy in this time of year, the gift of life. Um, and my wife and I are very excited uh, to let you know some great news. Um, if you don't already know, we have another one on the way, and we're very excited about it. And so uh, number three is on the way, and so that meant Daddy had to build a bunk bed real fast. And uh, so... My daughters are very excited about their new bunk bed. It was an early Christmas present. We said you can't do everything on Christmas Day. So we surprised them uh, a couple weeks early with their bunk bed so that they get to enjoy that for a few weeks. And then when Christmas Day comes around, they get to enjoy Christmas Day. So they get to kind of spread things out a little bit. Uh, as little children, you know, uh, the way they can be uh, with, with those exciting, this exciting time of the year. But we've really enjoyed this season and uh, we're, we're looking forward to, Lord willing, June 2nd, uh, having a new little one amongst us. And uh, pray with us that God would uh, just give my wife strength. And uh, she's already 15 weeks along. And so just pray God gives her strength and, and uh, just gives wisdom during this time. What a unique generation. What a unique time to bring a child into the world. Um, I tell you. Uh, we don't know what's, what the future holds, but we know the Lord holds the future. And uh, I thank God he's in control at this time, and uh, he has a perfect plan for us. And uh, we're also excited because you think about it. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but they say it takes seven years if you live in an area for as a pastor for the people to like, accept you as their own, the community to accept you as part of their community. We are half of the way there. Okay, so we're half of the way. There's three and a half years, and uh, for the community to really, for you to, they say, you know what? Now he's part of the community. Okay, so we're working on that, and half of the way there. And I'm excited about. It. I was just thinking about that the other day. I said, wow, we're already half. It's almost like entering the fourth year. Here we go. And uh, July uh, was when the Lord brought us here back in 2017. And I thank God for him allowing this little church and us to work together in the last few years. It's been great, fantastic, and I believe God has great things in store for the future. Uh, if you believe that, would you say amen? amen? Amen. God's in control of all things in our lives. Remember that in this Christmas season. You might uh, feel uh, uncertain about many things. You might be dealing with a lot of pressures this Christmas, but God is in control, and I want to remind you of that this morning. We're going to look into the life of a man who is a type of Christ. Now, if you've studied typology in your, in your life, you've heard about typology. Uh, typology is that a person represents the coming of another. And uh, there's several people in the Bible who represent Jesus Christ as a picture of the one who will come. And uh, they were Old Testament pictures of Jesus Christ. And one of those this morning we're going to look at as we think about this Christmas season is here in Genesis, and it's Joseph, a type of Christ. Genesis chapter 37, if you join me in verse 26. The Bible says, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, 
for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold uh, Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph unto Egypt. Now Joseph, this child who is beloved of his father, gets sold and betrayed by his, well, we would say nasty brothers, okay? He gets betrayed by his brothers. He gets sold. And Joseph is a picture for us of Jesus Christ. I love these Old Testament types of Christ. Types are beautiful pictures showcasing the person of Christ, and we see similar circumstances and life experiences in them. Throughout the pages of Scripture, we see first, the first type of Christ is Adam. Adam, the Bible tells us the first Adam in Romans 5, 14. Adam, who was the figure of him that was to come. Adam. He, was, he represented the children of the flesh. Jesus, the children of faith through Christ. So Adam was a picture of Christ who was to come. The first man, and then Jesus, the God-man. Adam being a picture of Christ. There was also Noah. Say, how did Noah picture Christ? Noah was the one who believed the promises of God and went into, he preached righteousness. He was rejected. Only his family get on the ark and God spares them and the whole rest of creation gets wiped out. It's a picture of Jesus Christ and the ark of salvation and putting our faith in Christ. Noah simply trusted in the plan of God, and through him, through obedience to God's plan, the human race was saved from extinction. And Jesus Christ, through obedience to the plan of the Father, died on the cross for our sins, and through him, all men may be saved. Both picture is a picture of Christ. Melchizedek, to whom Abraham gave his uh, tithes, was the prince of Salem. And we understand through Scripture he was a picture of Jesus Christ. He was also referred to as the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Isaac was the child of promise, a picture of Christ. Joseph, and we're going to examine his life this morning, he was beloved of his father, hated of his brethren, sold, he suffered. He was exalted, though, and God used him to feed the world. Considered with care, the coincidences are remarkable in the life of Joseph. And I believe there are no coincidences with God. All things are by plan. Moses was used of God as a type of Christ to deliver God's people from Egypt, but Jesus delivered us from hell. Joshua led them to the promised land. Jesus leads us to the victorious Christian life. David was anointed of God. He was a poor man. He was a holy man. His outward appearance did not look like a king. Remember David when he was with his brothers? They said, oh no, Samuel saw Eliab come by. He said, Eliab looks like the perfect king material. He looks sharp. He looks handsome. God rejects all the other sons. And David gets chosen as the Bible says a ruddy young man. He, he kind of looked like a, a hillbilly. He kind of, you know, was just an outsider. He didn't look like king material. But God called him and God used him. And Jesus, the Bible says, uh, had no appearance that he should be desired. and Jesus was rejected. Jesus grew up in a poor home. Jesus was a holy man. Jesus was anointed by God. Jesus was also a shepherd, as David was. David was wise. Jesus was wise. David was valiant. Jesus was valiant. 
David was a great savior to the nation. He delivered Israel from Goliath. And Jesus delivered our souls. Great examples, great types of Christ. And this morning, the Christ of Christmas is so much more than we will ever realize. His power to save and deliver is far greater. And I thank God for this. His power to save and deliver is far greater than the handful of billionaires that are trying to control the world right now, those in Silicon Valley, trying to control the minds of the world. The Lord's power is far greater than them. This Christmas should be a reset for each one of us. It's been a strange, strange year, has it not? Strange year. And in these different times, may we turn our eyes to Christ and see Him in a whole new way. First, as we examine our text in Genesis and chapter 37, I'd like you to see that Joseph, as a type of Christ, first he was beloved of his father. Look in verse 3. Now, if you were in this family, you would have probably hated, and I would have probably hated Joseph too, because Joseph was the favorite child. It says in verse 3, now Israel, now Israel is used to refer to Jacob. He had these two names, Israel and Jacob. And uh, here, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Remember anything else about Joseph? Joseph also was the son of his favorite wife. Mm. So, he grew up in a unique family dynamic. He was beloved of his father. Beloved of his father. He was daddy's favorite. He was the youngest. Often the youngest is the favorite of their parent. I thank God for a father-in-law who let me marry his youngest daughter and move her the furthest away from home out of all the siblings. Okay, All the rest of them live within less than 10 miles of the house. And I moved daddy's youngest daughter all the way up here. And I thank God for a father-in-law. I really trust, really trust God for that. And, uh, uh, you know, I think she is kind of daddy's favorite. Um, and uh, every time she goes down there, I know she's daddy's favorite. And uh, that's a good thing. But you know what? Favoritism in a family can be a very destructive thing. You may feel like uh, the favorite child syndrome was it began in your family. But I got news for you. It's been around since the beginning of time. Joseph pleased his father well. Think of it, he gave his, his father gave him the best clothes. It wasn't just that he was daddy's favorite. He got also daddy's best clothes. He got a coat of many colors. He, he's wearing beautiful clothing, and his brothers are thinking, every time they see the guy walking around, it's not enough that daddy likes him. It's not enough that daddy loves him. Oh, he's got a piece of clothing to remind us that he's the favorite. Wow. Imagine living in that family. It must have been unique. It must have been difficult. Joseph, his father, uh, he, he was sent, Joseph was also given the best job. Think about it. Joseph was sent to go check up on his brothers. His brothers are out there sleeping under the stars, and he goes out to check up on his brothers just to make sure that they were doing well. Hmm, what a job. Daddy's favorite got sent out just to kind of check up on the brothers and hold them accountable, and then he could go back and stay at home. I'm sure his brothers were very jealous about all of this. Joseph is a type of Christ. You say, in, in what ways? Well, his father also moved all the way to Egypt to be with his son to get food. The father trusted him. The father loved him. When you think about this truth, love and trust are linked together in the Bible. When we love someone, we choose to trust them. And Joseph's father 
trusted him. Uh, Think about in the Bible, though, of Jesus. Jesus was trusted by the Father. God in heaven wasn't wondering, what's Jesus going to do? Is he going to mess it up today? No, he trusted him completely, and he loved him completely. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. The Father says, when Jesus gets baptized, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. My beloved Son. God only had one Son. His name is Jesus, and he came to die for, our, for the world. The beloved of the Father. Joseph is a type of Christ because he was beloved of the Father. Now, there's always breakdowns with types, okay? And the example of that is for Joseph is a sinner. Jesus was sinless, okay? And so Joseph had issues in his home that Jesus didn't have in his home because Joseph was a sinner. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus was perfect, never sinned. In him was no guile. But Joseph, though, was beloved of the Father. It's a characteristic that represents him. Look in 1 John, if you would join me over there, holding your finger maybe here. 1 John tells us about the beloved of the Father. I want you to see this verse and let the Scripture encourage your heart this morning. This year you might be dealing with rejection. You might be dealing with loss. You might be dealing with distance. I want you to be encouraged by this verse to help you and you walk with God this morning. 1 John 3 and verse 1. Now you know that Joseph was loved of his father. Jesus was loved of God the Father. And here's a verse that applies to every person who puts their faith in Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then look at this verse. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's an awesome gift. He says, you know what? The Father loves you so much, he's willing to make you into his image. He's willing to transform you and me. And that is a wonderful love. The Father willing to take a sinner like you and me and transform us into the image of a son of God. And he said to call us children of God, sons of God. By the way, everybody is not a child of God. Those who have put their faith in Christ are children of God. Those who have not trusted in Christ, the Bible describes them as children of the devil. So the believers are beloved of the Father. Joseph was beloved of his earthly father. Jesus, beloved of the Father. Secondly, this morning as we examine our text and look on, Joseph was hated by his family. Verse 4 of Genesis 37 says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. You're not the only one that deals with hatred. You're not the only one that deals with uh, rejection syndrome. Uh, Joseph was hated by his brethren. Now, did Joseph specifically do anything to deserve his father's love like this? He was just daddy's youngest boy. He was daddy's favorite child. He got extra love. He got the clothing. Joseph didn't have to work to earn that clothing. Joseph was given it simply because he was beloved of his father. But now he is rejected by his brethren because of the love of the father. Mm. See, when when these brethren saw 
that their father had this great love. The Bible says they couldn't even speak to him anymore with a peaceable manner. There must have been some sharp words going around that house. Sharp words. I, I'm sure Joseph would have had to almost have a personal bodyguard at a very young age. There were some sharp words. Probably some fist fights went on in that home. Hmm. Joseph was simply hated because his father loved him. And they felt he didn't deserve that love. That's some crazy hate. They didn't want anything to do with old Joseph. And Joseph is such a powerful example of Christ because Jesus was hated by his own. He came unto his own. And John tells us in John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus comes to deliver mankind and they won't receive him. They reject him. They scoffed him. They mocked him. Behold, he says what? Uh, he came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, faith and love linked together. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he demonstrates his love to enable you and I to become the children of God. See, often we try to live the Christian life in our own strength, and we wonder why we can't. We maybe struggle reading our Bible, and we say, you know, I want to be a good Christian, I want to pray, but I just... God gives you the power to do that, my friend. Now, it is a choice, but that choice is empowered as we begin to dig into God's word. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, ministers grace to our hearts, and we become strengthened by the word of God. You as a Christian should not be afraid to be hated by others for being a Christ follower. Now, make sure it be only for that. Make sure it not be because by our personality we offended somebody or by some other characteristic we, we destroyed the relationship. May it be only Christ that divides and nothing else. And may God help us with that. Um, we live in a very, very divisive society today. And it's become more divisive in the last eight months. And uh, they like to blame a lot of people for that division. But they themselves, the ones who are casting the blame, are the ones who caused the division. And uh, not the ones that they are accusing. And we see this hatred today and misguided hatred. Hatred really against those who are doing good and love for those who are doing evil. It was the same in the case of Joseph because Joseph, the one who they hate, is going to be the one who delivers them later on, the one who feeds them, the one who gets a miracle, gets a, a vision from God of a miraculous thing that he's going to, God's going to use him to do. And seven years of plenty, he's going to store up all this good food so that in the time of famine, for seven years, they can eat of that food. And that was by the miraculous provision of God. Joseph was used through that dream to protect and to provide for a nation and for a huge part of civilization. God used one man to do that. This same one who was hated by his own family because he had a dream about all the sheaves bowing down. And the sheaves of grain, like you can see the Amish have around here, and those sheaves of grain were bowing down to him, to his sheaf of grain. And the brethren got so mad, they said, we can't believe this. And they were upset. They were angry because of his dream. But his dream was simply foretelling what God was going to use him to do. And by the way, when he had that dream, I'm sure he didn't know all of what God was going to use him to do. He didn't know he was going to have to go be in prison. 
He didn't know God was going to do all these things. But my friend, he was going to, as a young man, be in prison. But by the age of 30, he was going to be the ruler uh, uh, right next to the king in Egypt. God was going to use him in a great way. But his brethren didn't understand it, and they hated him. Don't let the hatred by somebody else stop you from serving God, for doing God's will. Because Jesus was hated, Joseph was hated, simply because of their love from the Father, the fact that the Father loved them. They were hated by that because the Father took care of them. Beloved of the Father, hated by his family. Thirdly, this morning, as we examine the characteristics of Joseph that are similar to Jesus, we see that Joseph was sold and betrayed. Sold and betrayed. Simple facts, but yet profound and deep truths here. Verse 28 of Genesis 37. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. You think about this. Joseph was daddy's favorite boy. He was daddy's favorite boy. Daddy would have given a hundred pieces of silver for his son. But daddy's favorite, who daddy would have easily paid the, the bribe if there was a bribe here. Daddy would have easily paid for it and taken care of. Daddy wasn't there. He gets sold for 20 pieces of silver. The favorite gets sold. He gets betrayed. And you say, well, couldn't his father have done something for him? Well, later on, we read of Jesus, who was sold and betrayed in Matthew 26. They covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And Judas agreed to get 30 small pieces of silver in trade for a kiss to betray the Son of God. Both were betrayed, sold and betrayed. Now God, the God of heaven, had, has, owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. And Jesus gets sold for 30 pieces of silver. The father could have easily paid that price, but he allowed his son to suffer. Why? As our example, so that he could come and die for us. Beautiful picture here. Joseph is sold and betrayed. And look, in your life, in my life, sometimes we get upset uh, because of some situation where God allows maybe us to be betrayed. Joseph was betrayed. Uh, Joseph was sold. And Joseph didn't get mad. Joseph, we don't read one word of anger. Joseph goes down, and next place he goes, they sell him to Potiphar's house. He doesn't get upset about that. God uses him, and he gets in Potiphar's house, does a great work, and what happens next? He gets falsely accused of trying to sleep with Potiphar's wife. He had done nothing but right. He had sought to do only what was holy and good. But she trapped him. And she falsely accused him. And now he's thrown into prison. But in prison, he doesn't get bitter. He once again goes right to the top. Every situation in life, Joseph goes right to the top. Think about that. He's in a family. He's the youngest brother. He goes right to the top. He's in Potiphar's house. He goes right to the top. He goes into the prison. He's right up in leadership at the top. You say, what was the key component in Joseph's life? Forgiveness. The same component in Jesus' life. 
Jesus forgave those who accused him. What if Jesus would have held resentment against those who came, the feeding of the 5,000, the people who came and just ate of his food and then left and rejected him? Because in John 6, 66, the Bible says they turned from following him and he asked his disciples after everybody else was gone, are you going to leave me too? They all rejected Jesus Christ. Jesus dealt with rejection and betrayal throughout his entire life, but he continued to forgive and so did Joseph. And what can we learn from this? The example of Joseph a forgiving spirit. He let it go. He let it go. Joseph was sentenced really to death in a way because when in this, in this time period, you send somebody to prison. You didn't send them there just for a few days. They were going to probably spend the rest of their life rotting in that dungeon. It was the end of them. You would no longer see them. Joseph was sentenced to prison. He goes to prison. There's no plan to escape. There's no court case to get him out. He is done for, okay? Unless somebody has mercy on him and gets him out. He is done for. But he's down there suffering. He's suffering. He, he's willing to go low for his own. The love that he had, the price that he paid, think of it. He loved so much that he was willing to forgive his brothers who had accused him falsely and sold him for just 20 pieces of silver. Jesus paid the price for all of our sins. He died and was buried, and thank God, three days later, he arose victorious over death and hell. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You need victory today? It comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let the circumstances of this life, the betrayals, the denials, discourage you and disappoint you. God gives joy. God gives encouragement. And you say, well, I don't feel too joyous right now. I encourage you to do something that I've done. I encourage you to write down Bible verses on the word joy. Begin to memorize verses on joy. Rejoice. And by the way, all throughout the Bible, there's verses all about it. You need a happy spirit. Get the word of God in to encourage your heart. Joseph had a joyful spirit. God used him. You don't hear any negativity. He doesn't accuse those who have betrayed him and put him there. He just continues to rise. God continues to use him. Even sold and betrayed, it doesn't get him down. And my friend, I thank God for Jesus, who also, when he was sold and betrayed, didn't let it get him down. He was willing to suffer. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he was willing to suffer so that we could be redeemed. The gift of Christmas, pictured through Jesus Christ and a type of Christ being Joseph we're seeing this morning. Thirdly, this morning, as we dig in this text, let's look in Genesis chapter 41. I want you to see something exciting about the life of Joseph. Because fourthly, this morning, we see that Joseph was exalted as Lord over all of Egypt, just like Jesus is exalted as Lord of all, a picture of Christ. Genesis 41, look in verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. And thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. You think about that right now. According to thy word shall all my people be ruled. 
Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. What trust, what love Pharaoh displayed towards Joseph. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, verse 41, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in the vesture of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and made him to ride the second chariot which he had. And they crowd before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. Ruler over all the land. Now Joseph is second in command, but he really, pretty much anything he said goes. He didn't go back to Pharaoh and say, hang on, Pharaoh. Should I sell this person this bag of grain for 20 cents or 30 cents? He didn't. He got to make the decisions. He got to make the shots. He got to call the shots. He was exalted as Lord over all. Basically, Pharaoh says, the only thing I'm greater than you in is that I'm the ruler. I, I sit on the throne, but basically you do all the work. Pretty interesting position for Joseph to be in. Joseph is in control over all these things. God's delays are not God's denials. Our present circumstances do not limit the power of God. Joseph became ruler of the land. He was in control of the food. He gained control over the people's properties because they ran out of money. And they come to Joseph and Joseph says, all right, you're out of money. You're out of food. Here, I'll mortgage your land. He buys their land off of them slowly. And then he really, they're, they're ready to mortgage their lives to this man. I mean, they're, gonna, they're willing to give anything just so they could eat. What do people do for food? But Joseph is a just man. And God uses Joseph, and Joseph is very fair with the people. He uses justice, and he, after those years of famine, gives them back seed and says you can plant the seed in your field, and a certain portion of the grain will be for Pharaoh's house. And you're basically going to grow my crops, and you're going to slowly be able to earn your land back. Joseph was an honest and just man. He was exalted to be the Lord over all of Egypt. And as we read in the scripture, the other nations came to Egypt because they heard they had corn and nobody else did. So God used Joseph not only to protect and to lead and to be the Lord over all of Egypt, but also these other nations. He was really in control over the food supply for that portion of the world. Great power that God allowed him to have. He was exalted. Now I tell you, Jesus is exalted far greater than that. He is Lord over all. I thank God that Jesus is not limited by the agendas of this age. Aren't you glad about that? If you're glad Jesus is not limited by the agendas of this age, would you say amen? And I'm glad he's not limited. He's not limited by the things they're seeking to do. He's not limited by the things that they've sought to do this year. He's not limited by uh, all these networks and all their agenda. He is completely in control. You say, why did he allow it to happen? Because God allows things to happen for his purposes to be fulfilled. We don't always understand all those purposes. He is exalted as Lord over all. I thank God that Jesus is in control today. And just as God used Joseph, and in this time, in this situation, if you would have been with Joseph and you would have been his best friend and seen him in prison, you would have never thought that he could become the ruler of the land. And in the same way in our lives, sometimes we might feel, and you might feel this year, that because of things that have transpired in this land, that there's no hope. And don't give up, my friend. 
The Bible still has given us 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall, what does he say? And do what? And do what? And seek my face. He says we're to turn from our wicked ways. Then he says he'll hear from heaven. He says he'll forgive our sins. And he says he'll do what? Heal our land. I thank God for that. And this morning, you might be feeling like we're living in Egypt. And in many ways we are. The corruption of the world. Egypt was a corrupt land. Egypt was a wicked land. Egypt is a picture of sin. And yet in the midst of all of this, a man comes up named Joseph from the prison to the palace. And my friend, you might be feeling like you're living in prison, but thank God there's a way to the palace through forgiveness and through trusting in the power of God. God can use you to do great and mighty things. Don't give up this year. Don't give up. I am very concerned about those who are giving up this year, and I'm very concerned about uh, many things and, and uh, what's going on. And I want to encourage you, pray for those around you. Try to encourage those around you. You might not know who around you needs encouragement right now because these are very difficult times people are living in. And if you're encouraged, be an encouragement. If you're discouraged, be an encouragement. And God will use these times to help us lift one another up so that we might continue to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. God wants to do great things in this day. I ask you this morning, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord as your Savior? If so, would you let Him be Lord today over your fear? Fear is a very, 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 very dangerous thing. Fear will destroy, dismantle everything in your life. And today, the greatest battle we have here in the United States and around the world is not the virus, it's fear. Let me say that again. Y'all were asleep. Today, the greatest battle we have is not the virus, it's fear. Because look, uh, being afraid is just going to make your immune system weak and it's going to make you more susceptible to sickness. And... Uh, it's amazing how afraid people are today. So fearful. And there's an agenda to make us afraid. I, I did a little research last night because I was uh, curious about some of these things. And I went on to their very own site, which is uh, sponsored by all these health networks and health data. And, and uh, even Facebook pitches in a little bit of coinage towards that too, you know, to make, to make that site accurate. So I knew since it came from Facebook, it was accurate. And uh, I looked at all that data. And you know what? They will scare the living daylights out of you. They will scare the socks off your feet. But then I read something underneath that data, and it said estimated. Ha, 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 So really, this is estimated. You know how much it said around the top of the page, the moment you signed in? How many people are going to die of this virus? Three million people. That's what their estimated status. But you know how many have died? According to them, one million. But, of course... Their own scientific evidence disagrees with itself because 90% of the tests certain reliable sources have credited are not even accurate. So, you don't know what to believe right now, okay? So, they're saying a million people died of it. And they're saying if everybody will just wear masks, only 2.4 million will die. But if people don't, 3 million are going to die. I seem to remember another graph I saw. It said 2.2 million people in the United States were going to die of this thing. Okay, 
Anyways, now they're saying worldwide it'll be about that amount. They don't know what they're thinking, okay? Other than that they want to scare you to death. And I, I saw on that page, it put stuff up as fact, and then it later said underneath in fine, fine print, estimated. Estimated. I'm like, where's the real numbers? Oh, it's all estimated. Last year, this week, there were uh, 1,200 flu cases. This year, there's only 41. All right, anyways, why are y'all so afraid, okay? Something's not being told to us. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not a health expert. But look, fear doesn't have any place in our heart as children of God. Uh, fear. Uh, what would Joseph have done if he were here today? I tell you, he wouldn't have been afraid of this virus. He would have already got a dream from God, and the dream would have shown him the truth. It would have shown him that Fox News and the health department had been lying to him. And he would have listened to God instead of listened to the news, and he would have trusted God. Joseph got dreams from God, and when nobody else was getting dreams, Joseph saw straight through the fog, and Joseph pressed on. And may God help us today, in this day, to not be so sucked in with the world's opinion, which is constantly changing. Not to let those who hate God, the God-denying fools, destroy your Christmas with fear. Use common sense. And don't let the world recreate your view of reality. That's the goal. If you'll have a new view of reality, my friend, then all of a sudden your view of Christ diminishes because our reality is then shaped by human beings instead of by the Word of God. And in this day, there is still reality. There is still truth. And, uh, and a gentleman who... I'll quote from him because he's a rather neutral, but he's conservative in many areas. His name is Stephen Crowder. And this man said it right when he said this week, Christians are just playing the cop-out. Christian leaders, he said. He said, they say we're going to cancel our church and go online. And they say, he says, it's the same thing, they say. But he said, they're just using religion as their cop-out. I agree completely with Stephen. He's right. And you know what? Stephen was demonetized earlier this year. What does that mean? He no longer makes any money making videos on YouTube simply because he's conservative. He didn't violate any of their standards. He didn't violate one single thing. But he was removed from his source of income, which is making videos. He no longer can make money doing it. Why? Because he speaks the truth and they don't like him. Okay? Sad thing. Sad day we live in. And they even said, I quote, he did nothing to violate our standards. We just want to demonetize him. We live in a day in which, and you know what? He's still willing to speak out the truth. He said that. Churches say we're just going to go online. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing, okay? It's not at all the same thing. May God help us in this day. How many, more, how many more months are people going to play this game? Let me be crystal clear, church. The world has no respect for these so-called churches that are unwilling to use any faith, unwilling to trust God in these circumstances. Uh, and I'm willing to believe God during these difficult times, just kind of taking the world's cop out. The opinion of the world navigates the church, and that should never be the case. We all let the word of God navigate the church. I pray that some Josephs will arise in this generation, and these Josephs won't be afraid to be hated or betrayed. They won't be afraid of men, but they will trust in God. And see, in heaven there is one reward, a reward for being well, a job well done. Yes, there are crowns that are received, but I want the Father's well done, and I pray that's what you want today. And my friend, I'm more concerned about that than about what the news people say. And by the way, 
It's been disgusting what they've said about recent churches. If you don't, if you don't believe me, just do a little research. Pastor uh, Bell up in Maine, some of you know him. His church was slandered and accused this year of think crimes they never committed. They wrote nasty articles about him saying that he spread the virus. And then underneath it said, this has not yet been verified by the CDC. But they wrote a whole article about his church, nasty articles, saying that he spread the virus. And underneath, it's not verifiable. There's no link between this and this. But they still wrote this, okay? And you've got to be willing to take a little bit of criticism, a little bit of heat in this day. And I thank God for his protection, watching over uh, many churches during this time. And it's sad to see how people get accused of things they didn't even do. In that case, he was accused of something he did not do. Will you be a Joseph? He was like Jesus. He was like Jesus. He sacrificed and he gave his all. And the Lord exalted him to be ruler over all. We should never seek to be exalted, but that God might use us to serve in a greater capacity should be our dream, our passion, and our goal. Lord, would you use me this year in a greater way to reach more people for Christ? I want you to pray that God would use our church in greater ways in this new year to reach more people for Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer this morning and stand together and ask the Lord to help us with this, that we might be like Joseph, that we might follow the example of Jesus Christ in this hour, in this Christmas season. Let's bow for prayer with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you would just join me for a moment in prayer. Let me pray with you. And then I'm going to ask you to take a moment to respond to the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have to pray. We thank you that your ears are open and your ears are attent to the prayers that are made in this place today. And Lord, you are ready to hear from heaven. You're ready to forgive. You're ready to cleanse. You're ready to work in our land. And Father, I pray you'd help all of us. Maybe some in the room are dealing with a betrayal. Maybe some in this room are dealing with some situation, uh, Lord, where they're just suffering with this certain situation and you want to help them to look beyond this and realize you're going to turn that situation around just like you did for Joseph. And you want us to have an, an attitude of faith, an attitude of forgiveness. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to have that heart and to be like Jesus in this day. Enable us, I pray with this, help us to respond to the Holy Spirit of God, I pray in Christ's name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to encourage you this morning to just take a moment as we are here. And I want to ask you a few questions. And as the Lord leads you, no one looking around, just I want to know how to pray for you today. And maybe you just say with me, you know what, Pastor, would you pray for me? Uh, the Lord spoke to me about something in the message today. It might be about fear. It might be about uh, trusting God. Maybe you've been betrayed. Whatever it was, God spoke to you about something today. And you just like me to remember you in prayer. I'm not going to mention your name, but I'm going to remember you this week specifically in prayer that God spoke to you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand right up and right back down to the God? God who knows. I'll pray for you. God bless each of you. Amen. Anyone else, please pray for me, Pastor. God spoke to me about something this morning. Amen. God bless each of you. And I want to encourage you right now. Would you take a moment as the piano plays to kneel at your seat or to kneel forward and ask the Lord to help you with that situation in your life. And we want to thank each of you who joined us live today. We'll close out the live stream at this time. And we want to uh, take a moment right now to respond to the Lord as the piano plays. Would you just take time right where you are at? And uh, you want to come forward and pray? You're welcome to do that. Would you just ask the Lord to help you with that area in your life? Come kneel at the altar. The altar's open. You say, Lord, just speak to me. Lord, use me. Lord, help me this area in my life. I want to walk closer 
with you in this Christmas season.